Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'lif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. A'udhu billahi minashaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-Fatihi lima uglik wa khatami lima sabaq. Nasr al-Haqi bil-Haqi wal-Hadi ila siratika mustaqim wa ala alihi haqqa qadirihi wa miktarihi al-Azim. O Allah, we ask you to send your blessings upon our Master Muhammad, the opener of what was closed and the seal of what came before him, champion of the truth by the truth and guide to the straight path, and upon his family and companions as is befitting his noble rank. Ameen. Allahumma ya kareem akramna bi nur al-fahm wa akhrajna min dhulumat al-wahm wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah O Allah the noble the generous we ask you to ennoble us with the light of understanding and to remove us from the shadows of illusion and there is no power nor might except through God Ameen Okay so today we are going to be talking about Allah um Allah is the subject of the first statement of our testimony of faith or of our shahada. Um, and this statement says, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. I bear witness that there is nothing worthy of worship except for Allah. And this can also be translated as, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. Um, but I, I like the translation that there is nothing worthy of worship but Allah, um, because this translation gets at some of the implications that I want to get into today that really are like more practical in nature when we're thinking about our creed and what it's going to mean for us on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. Um, I think the theological aspect of the statement is relatively straightforward. We are monotheists um, and we worship God and God alone. But oftentimes we have questions about what that means in practice. And so that is more along the lines of what we are going to get into today. But as I often do, I like to start with the Arabic. Um, because the Arabic often will give us greater insights into the types of meanings that we are after when we are talking about particular terms uh, or particular statements such as this. And this statement, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, this is a statement that in Arabic has the structure that is known as nafiljins, nafiljins, which means a categorical negation. Um, the shahada is categorically, meaning uh, there are no exceptions to what it's talking about when it comes to deities or things that are worthy of worship. It is categorically denying the existence of all deities. And you may, uh, if you have not already, you may hear, you know, some, uh, some people who like call others to Islam, uh, they'll make the joke that, 
it's, it's easier to call atheists to Islam because they already believe in half of this first statement that we have. I bear witness that there is no God. Like we, we agree upon that. We just have to get them to the ilallah, uh, to accept for Allah, right? But this is grammatically correct, what they are saying. The shahada, in fact, is saying that there are no gods, that there is nothing worthy of worship except for Allah. So, la ilaha is a statement of categorical negation. And this is interesting in thinking about how Islam compares to other forms of monotheism that many of us in the United States of America or Canada or Mexico, wherever you may happen to be, uh, how it compares, for example, to like Christianity uh, and Judaism. Um, because Islam is a radical form of monotheism. Uh, this is a term that the author of Being Muslim uses that I really like a lot. Uh, he uses the term radical monotheism because Islam, in fact, goes a step further in its monotheism than the other monotheisms of the Abrahamic tradition that most of us are familiar with. I don't think that I need to say too much about Christianity because uh, Christians nowadays, by and large, are Trinitarians. And I think it's relatively intuitive how Islam stands apart from that, um, that we believe in one God, there is no multiplicity within God uh, that we claim. But oftentimes people will be surprised that Islam in fact goes a step further even than Judaism which is a very explicitly monotheistic religion. But the type of monotheism that Islam is offering us is in fact quite different from the type of monotheism that we see in the Hebrew scriptures. Deuteronomy 6 verses four through five says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. This is a statement uh, that uh, to Jews is known as the Shema, uh, named after the first word of the statement in Hebrew, Shema, hear, hear, O Israel. And this is a statement of monotheism. The Lord your God is one. Uh, he is one God. And so there is nothing that is being claimed within Judaism about the religion of the children of Israel that would suggest that they worship more than one God. That's a true statement. But where Islam, in fact, goes a step further is in this categorical negation, is in this claim that not only are you to worship only the one God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, but that there are no gods aside from this God. And this is, in fact, a step that the Hebrew scriptures do not make. They do not go this far in the type of monotheism that the Hebrew scriptures teach. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3 says, And God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
you shall have no other gods besides me. So that's slightly different. It's not, there are no other gods besides me. It's, you shall have no other gods besides me. So it's not making this categorical uh, declaration that not only are you to worship only one God, but there is only one God. Only one God exists. Uh, and if you read through the Hebrew scriptures, you will notice that oftentimes they leave open the possibility that other gods might exist. Many of the prophets, for example, are uh, oftentimes in competition with the priests of other gods, that uh, of the people who inhabited the, the land of Canaan. And it's kind of unclear, like, are these gods real? Are they not? You don't necessarily get a definitive answer to that question. So while Judaism is indeed a monotheistic religion, Islam goes a step further in being radically monotheistic. Uh, we deny the existence of other gods, such that were we to want to worship other gods, there would be nothing there to receive that worship. There is only one God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So when we start to think of it in this way, we see that tawhid, which is the word that we have in Arabic for this radical monotheism, that it really is making a claim that is going to be quite different from any other type of claim that, that we ever experience in our lives. Like we can be completely devoted to a particular sports team, right? But we would never in our fervor for our sports team that we love, we would never say there are no other sports teams. There are no other teams that could be worthy of my affection in the same way that I have affection for my team. Similarly, in our romantic relationships, like with our husbands and our wives, we are monogamous, right? In the same, not quite the same way, but in a similar way that we are monotheists, right? We devote ourselves to one person, but there are always other men out there. There are always other women out there. And even when we say, you know, like statements of profound devotion, like I only have eyes for you, right? Uh, my devotion to you is complete. Uh, it doesn't waver. It doesn't look at others, right? Never do we deny that there are other people out there that we could be devoted to. So this thing that we're talking about, when we talk about Allah and who he is and how we worship him, it's actually quite unique. It, it, allow, it, it requires us really to go a step further than we are used to going when we are devoted to something. We are devoted in a way uh, and with a type of devotion that cannot go anywhere else except to God. God can be the only recipient of our worship. And this is Tawheed. Um, and this really is not only radical monotheism, but it is radical love. 
It is love in the truest sense. Because this is a type of love that can be zealous. It can be absolutely devoted. Because there is no other God that we could possibly devote ourselves to. There is no other God that can receive our zeal. There can be other men, there can be other women, but there can only be one God who can receive our worship. And, you know, when I oftentimes, like, you know, I, I think through analogy when I'm thinking through these issues. And, you know, I think about like the greatest love that I have in my life. And that's for my children, right? That's for my children. Um, I, I love my children more than uh, I could love anyone else, I think. Certainly more than I had loved anyone else before they arrived in my life. But and this is why we say like that there, there ultimately, there is no allegory or analogy or metaphor that is worthy of God because everything falls short of this type of radical monotheism and love and devotion. I could always have more children. I could always have more children and they would get the same love that I give to the children that I currently have. But there is nowhere else for that love that I have for the divine to go. It can only go to God. And so this is why I like to translate the statement, la ilaha illallah, as there is nothing worthy of worship except for God. Because this translation of that statement actually tells us what to do with that innate sense of love that we all have in our hearts. Like we all sense that there is something out there that is bigger than us, that we cannot perfectly comprehend, that we want to reach out towards and have some sort of connection to. That connection is worship. And that thing that is out there is Allah. It is God. But because we are understanding the statement as there being nothing worthy of worship except for God, that means that we can love God unreservedly. Like we don't have to hold back. We can give ourselves over completely to this form of love without the fear of ever being disappointed. And this is why we say that there is nothing worthy of worship except for God. Because if you engage in that type of love with anything else, any of the various things that you could find in the world to love, that love would fall short. If I love cars, like I, I'm really into to nice automobiles, I can work hard, I can go out, make the money to buy a Porsche. And I, I guess, I hope that's a good example. I'm not actually a car guy. Uh, maybe there are nicer cars out there that one could strive for. But I, I work hard to get that Porsche. And I am devoting all of this obsession and this energy and this love into this process to acquire this Porsche. And when I get it, it feels really, really good. It, it satisfies something in me that I had been longing for. 
But if you've ever experienced something like this, whether it's a car or it's a job, it's a romantic relationship, ultimately what you find is that the novelty wears off. You get used to it. And it becomes very easy then to start searching for that next thing. Because all of that love and devotion that you were pouring into that thing that you were after, ultimately was not worthy of the thing that you were after. That Porsche was not worthy of your ultimate love and concern. That woman or that man is not worthy of your ultimate love and concern. Which is not to say that these things are not worthy of our love and concern at all. But when we start to approach the level of worship where this thing becomes like what I live for, then we start to see why the statement of the Shahada is true. That there can be nothing worthy of worship except for God. Because only God is capable of receiving that love and devotion. And we are capable of giving that love and devotion and not tiring of that. We will always find new levels to our faith. We will ascend to higher places on the spiritual path. Our faith will deepen. Our hearts will expand. And that love and devotion, rather than eventually falling flat because the novelty wears off, it will progress. It will get deeper. It will get more profound. But that only happens with God. And that is why there is nothing worthy of worship except for God. So what this tells us, in fact, is that our creed is not just an abstract theological statement. Like there are abstract ways in which we can ponder it and appreciate it in a theoretical way. But it is practical in the sense that you can take this knowledge and see that it is true from the experiences of your own life. You can see that, yeah, in fact, I have chased things that ultimately became like my, my first order priority in life. Like the way I was treating this thing that I was chasing approached the level of worship. And you can see that every time you've done that, it has fallen flat. And it leaves you in many ways right back where you started, where you start looking for the next thing. And then you chase the next thing and you repeat the cycle. It is only when we take that type of love and devotion and direct it towards God that we find something that is worthy of that love that we have in our hearts. So really, like if you want to know what the Shahada is in this practical sense, it's a formula for happiness. Like it is telling you how to live life in a way that will be pleasing to you. Like don't waste your time, don't waste your energy chasing the things of this world thinking that they're going to make you happy. Like, yes, get the things that you need out of this life. Like, don't, you don't have to be a monk. You don't have to be an aesthetic. But realize that these things ultimately are not going to satisfy you. Make yourself happy 
by knowing what to do with this urge, with this impulse that you have within your heart and direct it in the right direction. Send it towards God and that will make you happy. That will make you happy in ways that you did not know that you could actually be happy. You will look back and realize that the happiness of your youth compared to the happiness of your later stages of life was shallow by comparison because your heart has expanded because you have found that thing that is worthy of your love and your devotion. And this is why, one of the reasons why, the Messenger of God, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said that the best thing that the messengers before me and I myself have said is La ilaha illallah wahtahu la sharika la. There is no God but Allah, alone and without partner. So, you know, uh, I don't know if everyone like grew up with reading Rainbow. Did you grow up with reading Rainbow? It was like a, it was a kid's like educational show when I was coming up. LeVar Burton hosted it. And he would always say, like, he would encourage kids to read. He'd be like, this is a great book, but don't take my word for it. Like, go, go read it yourself. He, that was like his, his catchphrase, like, don't take my word for it. That is what I want to say about the Shahada. Like, don't take my word for it. It is actually practical uh, wisdom. It is a practical creed. You can take it and try it out in your own life, and you will see the truth of it. Oftentimes, I think for many of us, it's just sufficient for us to look back at our past experiences to see the truth of this statement. Like, yeah, those things in this world that I was after ultimately did not satisfy me. I still have this yearning in my heart, and that's enough. But if that is not enough for you, my advice is actually go out and, you know, whatever it is you aspire for in this world, you know, as long as it's not haram, as long as it's not forbidden, um, I'm not advising anyone to do anything that would uh, ultimately harm you. But yeah, like if you want that car, uh, if you want that spouse, if you want that job, go get it. That's my advice to you. Go get it and see what happens when you actually get it. It's going to be great. It's going to be really, really wonderful for a little while. And then eventually the novelty wears off. And you will find yourself asking, what should I do with this yearning that still exists in my heart? And you will find that the only thing that can satisfy that is the spiritual path. It's walking the path to God and giving that ultimate devotion to God and to God alone. This is something that comes from our fitra, from our innate createdness. This is how human beings are made. We all have this within us. And so if this is something that sounds strange or foreign to you, it is not something that you do not possess the capacity for. It's just something that if you try it out, 
I sincerely believe you will find it to be true. You will find it to be true. Um, you can also test the practicality of the Shahada. You can understand the truth of it from another angle as well. And that is through the sense of serenity that comes through the remembrance of God. It's like, okay, the things of this world are not ultimately satisfying. But if I want to pursue the spiritual path towards God, what does that actually look like? How do I do it in a way that will ultimately satisfy that longing that I have in my heart? And the answer to that question is the remembrance of God, what we call in Arabic, dhikr, which really is just an attempt to make yourself present with your creator, with your Lord, in every waking moment of your life. And we have particular practices of dhikr where we, we say particular phrases like subhanallah, subhanallah, glory be to God, glory be to God, or alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, all praise be to God. But in remembering God in these ways and making yourself present with him, we don't say that we make him present with us because he is always near, but we are not always present with him. But when we bring ourselves into that presence, we find serenity, we find peace, we find a sense of contentment to that longing that we all have in our hearts that cannot be satisfied in any other way. And Allah says in the Quran, Allah, Allah tatma'in al Is it not in the remembrance of God that hearts find rest, that hearts find serenity? Don't take my word for it. Try it. Try it. Try to make yourself present with God and see what happens. I think you will find that you, you gain a sense of peace that is more profound than you could have possibly imagined. Certainly that is more profound than, uh, than anything you can gain from attaining the things of this world. And the beautiful thing about this, and this is what I'll close with, is that what this means for us is that the knowledge that saves us, because this comes from our fitra, right? Because this comes from within us, it is there innately, it's already present. Because you have that capacity built into you from the very beginning, that the knowledge that saves you is already within you. It, it's already with, you have the tools that you need to go to God in a good state. It's right there with you already. This is one of the beautiful things about Islam that initially attracted me to it. As a Christian, it always bothered me that like the knowledge that saves is historical in nature. Like you, you need to understand the drama of a particular life of a particular person who lived on this earth. But what God is telling us in this final revelation is that, no, you already know who I am. You already know innately how to get to me. 
That knowledge is within you. All you need to do is to draw it out. Remember me. Remember me and you will find me. You're, you will become present with me and you will realize my presence with you. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, thank you all very much. A'udhu billahi minashaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wal-asr. Inna l-insana lafi khusr. Ila ladhina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawasu bil-haqi wa tawasu bil-sabr. Ameen. Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'leefcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.